Welcome to the Vancouver Boys Podcast. The Vancouver Boys are the most entertaining sports cast in British Columbia. Steve Dangle here. I love the Vancouver Boys. It's the Vancouver Boys Podcast. Woo! Hey, welcome back to episode 39 of the Vancouver Boys Podcast. I am the host this week. I am Jake, and I'm joined, as always, by Tyler Erlinson. Hey, how's it going? And Marcus Keller. What's going on, everybody? Now, I may sound a little bit different this week, and that's because I am the one on the road this week. Jake's uh, on the moon! <laughs> <laughs> I'm recording from home, but uh, Tyler and Marcus are in the studio, and so, yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll get things underway here, and we just want to let everyone know uh, that if they, if they could... Uh, Follow and rate us on Spotify and Apple if you enjoy the content. It helps us out a ton. Anyway, uh, before we get into any of the content of the episode, Marcus, why don't you take it away with our Fake Sponsor of the Week? Okay, well, thanks, Jake. Uh, Just to remind our listeners, the Fake Sponsor of the Week is only a placeholder for a real sponsor, which we think we might be able to get someday. This week's episode of the Vancouver Boys Podcast is brought to you by the province of Quebec. You better go to bed early. You have a whole lot of nothing to do tomorrow. (laughs) Quebec, former home of two NHL franchises. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Damn. Too soon, man. Too soon. Damn. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That That is good. I just, I can't believe they brought the curfew back. I thought that they proved medically that that affected nothing. It affects people's mental health. Well, yeah. Things are just going to get worse. (laughs) I just can't believe you're picking on the Quebec Nordiques, too. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't they been through enough? (laughs) Well, I I guess you could say they have, but, you know, we don't don't go light on the fake sponsors here. You know that. (laughs) Yeah, unless they're exactly Dodge. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's different. Dodge is a wonderful company doing wonderful things. However, if you would like to get in touch with us about becoming a real sponsor... You can always reach us by email at vancouverboyshockey at gmail.com. And if you just want to follow our social media, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube, all of which we can be found at Vancouver Boys Podcast. And on Twitter, we are at vancouverboys underscore. Yes, we are. Thank you, Marcus. So I guess we should probably jump into some of the content of the episode. And as always, we start off with the Canucks news. Not a ton of Canucks news this week, as uh, they had yet another game postponed. This time it wasn't their fault. It was the New York Islanders who uh, had a bit of an outbreak of COVID. So um, they had to postpone that game. But they did have a a little bit of news we could talk about. They played against the Seattle Kraken, their new-formed rivals, and they came out with the win. Yeah, we are undefeated against our new rivals. We are 2-0. Yeah, they're dog water. Absolute dog water, the Kraken are. As they should be, but yeah. Yeah, it, it was rough, um, but you know what? I enjoyed it. The atmosphere was cool in the stadium, and uh, I don't know how much you guys saw of the story between one of the Kraken fans and the Canucks equipment manager, but uh, a Kraken fan actually may have helped save his life. Okay, so I heard a little bit about this, but I didn't hear the full story. Can someone give me the rundown? Okay, so a Kraken fan in the front row, she seemed like a young woman, ended up Uh, right behind the Vancouver Canucks bench. That's where her, I guess her family has season tickets there. She noticed on the back of our equipment manager's neck that he had a kind of odd looking mole. And she, I guess, was a medical student. And not a lot of people would have really seen this mole and thought much of it. But she recognized it and thought, hey, that actually looks like it could be cancerous. 
and in the middle of the game, she's banging and screaming against the glass and trying to get his attention, which is quite hard to do in a during a hockey game while he's working, uh, but ended up typing the message out on her phone just in her notes app and saying, hey, you have a mole on the back of your neck. I think that might be cancerous. You should get it looked at. Uh, he did, and it turned out that it was, in fact, cancerous, and they were able to remove it before it spread anywhere. They then went back. Uh, so that was at the game at the beginning of the season when we played the crack, and that was only four or five games into the season. They managed to track this fan down, bring her to this last Canucks versus Kraken game, and the Canucks and Kraken came together to award her $10,000 towards her medical school bills. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it was I'm really glad that, that that story ended up the way it did, because who knows, that could have been a lot worse. Well, exactly. Like he said, it, it potentially saved his life. But to the actual like meat of the game, it was still, even though they're not that great of a team, the Kraken, it was still a pretty entertaining game. You can tell both teams showed up to play. You know who never shows up to play? Who's that? Philip Grubauer. <laughs> He's, he has finally been exposed, as Jake's been saying for years, as being a terrible goaltender. Yep. He's he's awful this year. I mean, he's lucky he got his contract when he did. Just like Matt Murray is lucky he got his contract when he did because uh, there's some goalies that are really showing uh, what a good a good team in front of you can do for you. And if I can be so bold as to make another one of those statements, Jack Campbell. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. You think so? Yep. Because I, honestly, he, he's like, right up there in like the top three for Vesna contention right now. And you know who else was uh, nominated for Vesna last year? Grubauer, Philip Grubauer. Yeah, like it. Honestly, it's these goalies are middling at best, but because they play on good teams, they look a lot better. I've been saying this for years about these different goalies. I said it about Murray. I said it about Grubauer. I've said it about Kemper, and now I'm saying it about uh, Jack Campbell. They're okay. just—they're not great goalies. They just have good teams in front of them, and it makes them look better. We cannot say this about Darcy Kemper because he had a good year playing for the Coyotes. So I, I refuse to say Kemper's a bad goalie. I think that out of the four of those goalies I mentioned, he's probably the best. That being said, I still don't consider him a good goalie. I think he had a good year, but I don't think he's a good goalie. Goalies have to be consistent to be good. That's like the number one thing you look for in a goalie, and he's extremely inconsistent. I mean, when he was with the Wild, he was pretty good. As a backup. When he played, he was good. He was the backup. Nah, he took over the starting role. He did not. He was the backup he in Minnesota. took over the starting role. Great, from Devin Dubnik. And where's Devin Dubnik now? On Team Canada, because he's not in the NHL. Hey, but Devin Dubnik had a good-ish career when he was there. Yeah, and then he <laughs> fell off a cliff. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of just how goalies are doing... And, and whether or not they're in Vesna contention. One thing that's bugged me is I've seen a lot of top five lists for the Vesna recently. Demko isn't on any of them. And it's quite infuriating because he actually finished second in the NHL for goals saved above expected all in last calendar year. And he ranks first among all NHL goalies in expected goals against currently. I saw him at number five on the score's most recent predictions for Vesna. That being said, I still see your point. He's not getting as much attention as he should be. No. Um, but like, like we've said, though, that first, let's call it half of the season, was pretty rough for him. But right? it didn't like, matter because he was still above a 900 save percentage on a dumpster fire of a team. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can admit he had no help like at all for the first half of the season. 
Yeah, it doesn't take away from the fact that he's a phenomenal goalie. It just takes away from the fact that he's not in Vesna contention, right? Like, that's the conversation. We're not talking about whether he's a good goalie. We're talking about if he's the best goalie. And because of the team he was on and because of the start they had, that's why he's not being considered the best goalie. That's the only point I'm trying to make here. Apparently, he's not good enough to be in the All-Star game either. But I'll let it go. I'll let it go. We talked enough about that one last episode. It just blows me away that, like, they have to have their... Vesna, or sorry, they're all-star noms up so early in the season. That seems so weird. Yeah, it is actually. Because they were, like, you were talking about that story in, like, November. Yeah, it was the last week of November that I think the list got revealed of who you could vote in. That's, like, six or seven weeks of hockey. Like, that's not a lot of time to to deliberate and figure out who the three most valuable players on each team are. Well, I can sure as hell tell you, Miko Koskinen was not the top three most valuable players on the Oilers at that time. He wasn't even the starting goalie to start the year. I know. <laughs> I think that just goes to show how shitty the Oilers are. And they look awful right now. Oh, what's their record? Like two, 10 and two or something in their last 15 or 14. It's been, it's been abysmal in Edmonton. Have you seen that, that clip? There's a clip of uh, Ryan Reeves for checking on uh, Connor McDavid behind the Edmonton Oilers net. And Ryan Reeves just like, just flies in behind McDavid, lifts his stick, powers past him, picks up the puck, and then they gain control in the offensive zone. Jeez. McDavid doesn't even make an effort. It's weird because they had a really hot start to the season, but at this point, like, do you think the players are just almost waiting for a change to get made, whether it be with management or coaching? or Do you think the players are just upset with something? Edmonton's made so many changes, though, whether it be GM, coaching, goaltending, defense, everything has been changed so much over the last decade, and it only ever worked out once, right? Like it worked out, and I think it was 2017 when they made the playoffs and made it to the second round. That's been the peak of their performance of late. That's as far as they've made it, and it's not working. And at this point, and, you know, I think for a long time, Oilers fans and hockey fans in general have looked at that team and gone, they're just not good enough. And then in the offseason, they go and sign Darnell Nurse for the next 100 years at $100 million a season. Like, it just, the moves they make don't make sense for the problems they have, right? And also, like, they trade away Ethan Bear, who's a young, consistent defenseman for, what was it, Morgan Geeky or someone? Like, a random third or fourth line forward? My point there is just that, like, they're not addressing the problems in the right way. And so I think when you mention, oh, what needs to happen? What changes do they need to make? Well, the short answer is a lot. And the long answer is more of they need to have more competent management and they need to have more effort and more passionate players. I think the biggest problem with the Oilers, it starts from the back end and it works its way up. Their goaltending is atrocious. Their defense is, for the most part, atrocious. Their bottom six is atrocious. Their top six is is fairly decent, but they, there's nothing there that stands out other than we have Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and now Zach Hyman. But how does that how does that fix your team? Yeah, great. Your team can score goals when the when those three players are hot. Your team like no can't been- defend against anybody. Other teams are just going to score more. That's the problem. If these guys aren't scoring five goals a game, they don't have a shot. Yeah, exactly. Like I was saying, that's never been the problem in Edmonton. It's never been that they can't score goals. You know, they always had Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl leading the league in points for like the last five years. That's never been their problem. And so what do they do? They go and commit all this money to Zach Hyman, who great, he's been a great player for them and he's, he's going to continue to be a great player for them, but it doesn't address the problems that they're having. And that's keeping the puck out of their own net. 
You know, I don't know why they weren't a team that went out on and tried to get Flurry. Not that Flurry would have fixed their problems, but he would have been a better stopgap than 45 year old Mike Smith or should be in the KHL, Miko Koskinen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Miko Koskinen makes four and a half million dollars. Yeah. But I don't know if you guys goodness, remember this. This is the last year of his contract. Yeah, but I don't know if you guys remember this, but that contract was the last thing Peter Shirelli did before he got fired. Oh, he did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, that was like, I, I'm pretty sure the ownership ownership saw him make that move and they were like, you need to go. <laughs> <laughs> you can only imagine what would have been next. Louis Erickson on a 6x6? Six six? <laughs> I'm sure that was it. They almost, there was almost uh, a uh, trade uh, that was going to be when Lucic was still with them. It was Lucic for Erickson. It almost happened. It came really close. Erickson nixed it, though, because he had wow. no trade clause. He said no. Just one more little piece of kind of Canucks news that I just I just found this way too funny not to bring up. So Connor Bedard, uh, World Juniors star, uh, who Jake just heavily dislikes and thinks is overrated. That's uh, not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, one way or another, uh, very, very talented player, who will be drafted in 2023, uh, recently did an interview, and uh, he was asked who his favorite NHL player is. His response was Tyler Mott. Great pick. I mean, I I will give him this. I think Mott is heavily underrated. I think he's an incredible bottom six guy. I think you can use him in the top six in a pinch if you have to. But even I will have to admit, this is an odd pick for your favorite player in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Motts, he's got the right stuff, right? Like, he's a passionate player. He works hard. He scores goals sometimes. He plays defense. Like, it makes sense. He's, he's a good, a well-rounded wizard player. wizard on the PK. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know. He's, he's amazing. Great PK player, right? Like, there, it makes sense why, why players admire him. But it's just, yeah, quite the compliment for Connor Bedard to call Tyler Mott his favorite player. It's crazy. I hope they're line mates one day in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, one thing that I guess we got to remember here, right, is that Tyler Mott's been in Vancouver for how many years? Four or five? About that. Right? So, Connor Bedard is, what, 16? hmm So, Connor Bedard, who grew up in Vancouver, has been watching the Canucks since, you know, since he was a kid, probably. And if Tyler Mott's been on the team for that long, he's been on the team since Connor Bedard was 11 years old. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense. That's usually when you're developing, you know, your passion for the team. You figure out who your favorite players are. Kind of makes sense. Well, and plus Tyler Mott had that nuts run in uh, in the playoffs, like th- with that series against Vegas and, and whatnot, and the Canucks making it to that second round. Would have never happened if uh, if you didn't have Motter out there. That's true. Mm-hmm. That is very he was, true. He was nuts. I guess, yeah, that's another thing to kind of add to what Jake said there is that the only Canucks blip of success that they had since Connor Bedard was about 10 or 11 years old. What would have been that playoff run where Mott was a massive part of it? Yeah, do you, you think Bedard will pull a, Who was that player that got drafted first overall and then wouldn't put the jersey on because he wanted to get traded immediately? Uh, I know Lindros was one of those yeah, players. That, that's who I was thinking. You think Bedard pulls that and says, no, I'm going to Vancouver? Absolutely not. That would be fire. <laughs> I mean, that's like, I'm playing with Tyler Mott or no one. <laughs> if I'm not on his line. <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, the Canucks are locking up Mott for like five million a year. <laughs> like, yeah, Mott, Mott signs a 12-year extension. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that would be so funny. I'd love to see it. I'd Modder love to see it. or nobody. <laughs> Yeah, either either we're trading for Bedard 
or someone has to pay a hefty price to get Mott off of our roster. <laughs> yeah, Bedard, it just demands that he joins the team. <laughs> the Canucks trade Mott for like 10 first round picks. <laughs> oh, dude, that would be insane. Yeah. Oh, I'd love it. That'd be a bit of a goofy move, though, wouldn't it? That would be a goof move, but before we get into the goof of the week, there's one more piece of kind of Canucks-related content I wanted to talk about. Okay. And it starts with the Montreal Canadiens. Because the Montreal Canadiens put out a short list. Or I guess not a short list, but just a, a list of potential GMs that they're going to interview. And it has a little bit to do with the Canucks. So, uh, earlier this week, they mentioned that they were going to do some interviews with Roberto Luongo, Danielle Briere, and Matthew Darsh, who I guess are three Quebec-born uh, former hockey players uh, mm-hmm. turned GMs. And I was kind of thinking this is interesting because we talked not too long ago about the possibility of bringing Roberto Luongo in as the new GM of the, of the Vancouver Canucks. Now, what would you guys think... Or what do you guys think about the possibility of one of these three being hired in Montreal? And then what the likelihood of the other two interviewing for the position in Vancouver? So those names, once again, are Roberto Luongo, Danielle Briere, and Matthew Darsh. I think if Luongo did not get hired in Montreal, there's a shot that maybe he could make a run in Vancouver. As for the other two, if they don't get hired in Montreal, there's no shot Vancouver even takes a look at him. Uh, I think Rutherford kind of has his short list of guys who he's wanting to bring in already. Uh, but, oh, man, I hope that he looks at Luongo. You will not find a guy that's much more passionate about this franchise and this organization who's qualified to be a GM than Roberto Luongo. Like, I, I would honestly say, as far as people who are passionate about the city of Vancouver that, that are ex-players, I, I can't think of many more other than, like, Alex Burroughs, who's a coach. He's not going to be a GM. For the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, for the <laughs> Canadiens, that's right. But... Man, with the Sedins up there now, you know that them and Luongo are tight. So hopefully, I, I'd really love to see them bring uh, Luongo in at, at some capacity here. I think he'd be the perfect guy for the job. It's funny you bring up the whole Burroughs thing, because do you think that could be a potential connection that gets Luongo in there? It very well could be. I mean, they're both, again, French-Canadian guys who played on kind of the same really, really good team for a long time together. They both came in around the same time. They left within about three years of each other. They're definitely tight. So should we bring like Ryan Kessler back to coach the special teams? Some <laughs> maybe not. He wasn't exactly a power play specialist. If hey, anything, he was on the, all the first line power plays. He he was he was he good was. in front of the net. He wasn't like a specialist there though. Like he was, that, he he was, was good on the PK. He was good on the PK. I'll give you that. We can have him as a PK coach. Believe it or not, we actually have some Kessler content coming up later in the episode, which is funny because I feel like we may have mentioned his name on this podcast twice ever. Yeah, Kess's house. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But no, that's later though. But uh, for now, Jake, unless there's anything else, I think it's time to get a little goofy. (laughs) Let's get goofy. What a goof. Did you press the button? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Forgot he can't hear that. Yes, welcome to my segment of the show. Uh, every week I go and I find a story that's sports related that involves a player, coach, organization, GM, owner, what have you. And I bring it up with the guys and we have a little chat about it. And this week 
we are going with a huge story. I, I would be stunned if you guys haven't heard of this. We are going to be talking about Antonio Brown, wide receiver or former wide receiver of the Tampa <laughs> Bay Buccaneers. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the footage, but it is so bizarre. <laughs> Dude, it's hilarious. So about halfway through a Tampa Bay, New York Jets uh, football game on Sunday. Antonio Brown, who was having a decent game, he had a few catches, gets into a bit of a, a back and forth with one of the coaches. And you can see him kind of bickering with, the, with them on the sidelines before he gets kind of pulled away by one of the players on his team. Then he decides to strip half naked, takes off his all of his upper body gear, his jersey, his gloves, throws his jersey, throws his gloves into the stands, and then jogs off the field while the game's going on, just piecing out the crowd, you know, living it up, having a great, great old time. And we find out after the game that he is now no longer with the organization. Well, and he's still technically on the payroll. He's no longer going to be playing for any games in the regular <laughs> season or playoffs for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At the point in the game where he left, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were down big. I think they were down at least 10 points, right? It was and, uh, 10 to 24 for the New York Jets, I believe. Yeah, that's right. It was yeah, it was it was 24-10 for the the Bucks over or the Jets over the Bucks. And the Bucks have been one of the best teams in the league this year and the Jets have been one of the worst. So they were being upset. And it's funny because after he left, they came all the way back and they won that game 28-24. So just a little added piece to the story, which I thought makes it even funnier. Man, and there's really, there's really nothing in the hockey world I think ever that is quite compared to this. Evander like, Kane. Nah, Evander Kane is a stand-up guy. That, but that again, <laughs> even that was all off ice, right? Like in either in the locker room or in his personal life or whatever. This is like okay. This is uh, editing Jake from the future. Marcus meant to say Patrick Roy. And instead, he said Martin Brodeur, but we all know that's who he meant. Okay. Like, the only thing I can think of is Martin Brodeur when he was in Montreal, when he, like, got pulled after he let in, like, 10 goals, then went down to the owner who was sitting at the other end of the bench and said, I'm never going to play for you again. Like, that's the only thing I can think of that even comes close to this. But this is way, way further out of left field. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty funny because there's uh, there's a bunch of videos going around with Antonio Brown when he was waiting for his Uber or when he was actually in the Uber. The Uber driver did a video, <laughs> and then the next night they see Antonio Brown sitting courtside at the Knicks game. <laughs> Jesus. So, uh, yeah, he's quite the character, that's for sure. So here's the yeah. thing, though. He he's a half decent player though is he not um, oh he's a phenomenal when player. he's left the nfl before this he might have been the best receiver in the league he probably was the best receiver in the league so you guys don't think his career is over here you think he's gonna get traded then no i think next season you will see another team pick him up and i've also seen some rumors of a potential antonio brown going to the dallas cowboys how <laughs> <laughs> because they just lost michael gallup and Dallas likes problem childs. Yeah, I I think that's a stretch. Um, this guy was traded out of Pittsburgh to Vegas, where he started having huge problems there. Um, he left, then he signed with the Patriots uh, because they thought they could kind of get him in order. He lasted only a few weeks before they booted him. Then he got picked up by the Bucks because Brady thought he could get him straight and in order. He did for a little bit. They won a Super Bowl together. 
And then this season, things seem to be going perfectly fine before they completely went off the rails last week. I think, you know, even though he is arguably one of the best receivers in the game, I think his career is over. Really? Yeah, I, I, he's just, he's not a problem. He is the problem, right? Like this guy is insane. He brings so much drama. He, he, he uh, handed in a fake vaccination card. Like he's just, he brings so much drama with him. And I don't think any team wants to take on what Antonio Brown brings. Yeah, so right now it's looking like any team can just sign him. So there's there's talks of other teams maybe just signing him for the playoffs. So the Bucks don't even have trade rights to him anymore. They've just nullified his contract and said get out. <laughs> I I guess so. And everything I'm seeing is why he should sign with the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And the other one is the second ranking is the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, like, it makes sense that these good teams want to get better and that they'd sign them. But again, like, I just, I don't see that happening. I don't see these teams taking on the problem that is Antonio Brown. We can hope for the best. Yeah. At any rate, there you go. He is the biggest goof of the week, to no one's surprise. But because he is such a good player in his own league, I thought we would bring it back to one of the best players in our league, the NHL. Did you guys see that goal? that Kale McCarr scored against the Chicago Blackhawks the other night. I did, yes. It was all right. Now, before we talk about the goal itself, do you guys think it was better or worse than the first McDavid goal the, uh, this year? Worse. I would agree is worse. <laughs> I, feel, right. I feel like worse is like not a good word to yeah, use here because like it was a good goal. This, I'm not going to take was that like, away. It was a phenomenal goal. Yeah. But it just wasn't as nice as that McDavid goal. And I'm guessing this is where you disagree. You would be exactly right. I think the goal was so nice. The way that he completely fooled the defender, walked in, went forehand, backhand, completely fooled the goalie. But he walked walked a forward, as in Kirby Doc. Yeah. Who's a lot bigger and not not as agile. That's a a very good point. I, I didn't factor that in. That being said, I still think it was a nicer goal. Here's my thing, because I watched this a few times just because of how big of a deal they made about it. And I've been saying this for a while. I think Makar is just a fair bit overrated. Um, but watch- Makar is nuts. All right. Makar is he- nuts. Oh, he's very good. He's very good. I'll give him that. I think he's overrated, though. That doesn't mean he's bad. It just means I think he's a bit more hype than he should be. Yeah, people say that he's, like, the best defenseman in the league. Yeah, and I'm not on that boat. I think he's definitely top 10. I think you could make a case for top 5. I don't see him at number 1, or even top 3, really. But my point is, after watching that goal, what made me laugh is I've seen Quinn Hughes do that exact move on the boards all the time. Just people typically follow him better. Doc just let McCarr kind of walk him. And really, even the whole way to the net, he didn't have to beat anyone else. He had like 10 feet of open ice all the way around him, right to the net. And he all he did was go forehand, backhand a couple times, and then he put it over top of the goalie who was on his stomach in the crease. It I, I don't know. It, I, it was a nice move, though. It, it, it was, was a, nice it was a nice move, but for some people who are saying this is the goal of the year and he's the best defenseman in the league, uh, I'm sorry. I, I can't see any of that. I think, again, maybe a top 10 goal of the year, maybe a top five defenseman. That That's where I sit. See, I have to disagree with you only because of the way that you kind of made the, 
the goal itself look. You're right. He does have that open space because he creates it. But when he gets to the net, he's at such a poor angle that he has to make a really convincing move to the inside to fool the goaltender. Like, if you watch, he drops the goalie and then absolutely roofs it. Like, he has to get that puck straight up and under the bar. And that's a very hard thing to do, especially from the angle on the backhand. So that's why I give him so much credit because scoring in the way that he did once he got to the net is the most impressive part of that to me. My backhands always go bar down. Fuck you. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah, they do. Oh, yeah, seen, they do. I've seen your backhands. They go into the corner most of the time. Yeah, top corner. <laughs> <laughs> right off the bar and in. All right. <laughs> Love that. I had to come out to see more of your games, I guess, then, because yeah. I, I feel like I haven't seen Far that now, baby. So speaking of good young defensemen in Kale McCarr, I don't know if you guys have seen this. I'm sure you probably have, but it looks like Jacob Chikrin is now on the trading block for the Coyotes. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen some rumors flying around. Yeah, but the, the real question is, have you seen what the hell they want for him? Yeah, you're kind of our resident Yotes fan. I mean, you're not really a fan, but you you definitely follow the team more than we do. You bought a Kachina jersey. Yeah, what? just call me Biz Nasty. <laughs> Two point oh. Yeah, the Biz Nastiest. Anyway, uh, what what kind of offers have they had? They're looking at an Eichel like return. Is what they want. Oof. Yeah, they want the high draft picks. They want yeah. the prospects. They want the NHL ready player. And it's just, it's, you're not going to get what Buffalo got for Eichel or Chikrin. Yes, Chikrin is a good player. Don't get me wrong. But look at his stats. Like, I mean, Eichel was putting up nuts stats on a terrible team. Look at Chikrin's stats, stats this year. I don't even think he has a goal. Yeah, before this season, Ike, or, uh, Chikrin was definitely worth a lot. And I think they probably could have gotten that kind of return. But this season, yeah, you're right. He just hasn't played up to where he has in the past. And, and do you know why that is? Uh, because he lost his D partner. He sure did. I think OEL played a huge part in why Chikrin was a, a top player and why he was scoring so much. You know, you mentioned that you don't think that the Yotes are going to be able to get that kind of return for Chikrin um, that the, uh, the Buffalo Sabres got for Eichel. But I want you to keep in mind, it wasn't exactly a King's ransom, right? Like Buffalo should have got a lot more than they ended up getting. Um, because this is kind of uh, just to refresh your minds and everyone else's minds. This is what the trade looked like. It was Eichel and a 2023 third round pick for Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, a top 10 protected first round pick and a second round pick in 23. So it wasn't exactly a big return. It was just kind of like some decent pieces. And then obviously if that, if that top 10 pick, they decide to, uh, to give up then that'll be a nice pick too. But again, it's a protected pick, so who knows, right? Yeah, but I mean, you're also getting Peyton Krebs, who's another first-round first, first round pick. You're getting Alex Tuck, who's a good top-six forward, and a second that could turn out to be something decent. Yeah, but I guess all I'm saying is that if that was the return that the Coyotes got for Chikrin, I mean, like, yeah, the Coyotes definitely would have made out well, but I don't think it would have been as much of a, a landslide win for them as maybe some others would think it would be. Okay, I've, I've been thinking about this a fair bit. Arizona wants a first-round pick, decent draft pick, and an NHL-ready player, plus a high-level prospect. Here's what I'm thinking. Oh, God. From the Vancouver Canucks, we send Rathbone, Pearson, 
<laughs> you just trying to get rid of Pearson. I don't want Pearson. I don't. Look, he got a Gordie Howe hat trick the other day. Great. His value has never been higher. Get him out of here. I, I, it's not even that I don't like him. It's I don't like his contract, and I don't like that he's in our top six. But guess what, Arizona? He's a top six player, apparently. Well, hey, so they're playing our bottom six as their top six. So. <laughs> Okay, but here's the thing. Arizona doesn't want your roster players. They want young players. They want to tank for the next two years. Which is why they're not I've, taking Pearson. I, well, they're getting him anyway. They're also getting <laughs> Rathbone. I would do, you know what? Instead of a first and a third, I'm not kidding. I would do three second round picks. Yeah, they're not going to accept that trade. Why? You, you know, okay, I'll give you a trade they will accept. Okay. A first... Brock Besser. Wow. Really? No, if, if they get Besser, they get no one else. That's it. No, they get a first, they get Besser, and we're going to throw in Tanner Pearson, and we're going to take... Chikrin and Kessel? <laughs> no. We're Just gonna, Kessel. We're going to take, take Chikrin and a second. No. No. If, if we are offering a first and Besser, that's already more than what... Chikrin should cost. You're not going to get a defenseman that comes around like this at a at a cheaper price. Besser's a top line scorer. Chikrin's your top line defenseman. He he's sitting in your one two. That's not worth it. I don't think Vancouver should make a move for him. <laughs> yeah, you also just got to keep in mind that the Canucks traded away their 2022 uh, second round pick. Oh, see, so there you go. So it would be our 2023, 2024, and 2025 seconds. No, that's why, I didn't, that's why I didn't put it in a second. That's why I said a first and we get a second back to, uh, to replace the second we lost. That they traded to the Arizona Coyotes exactly. already. We get it back. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I still think that mine's realistic and it could work. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think both of you are idiots. Besser's <laughs> trade value is way too high, and there's no way the Canucks are trading the second-round picks for the next four years to the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> you, think, you think Besser's trade value is that much higher than that we couldn't get Chikrin? I think it's I think it's way higher than Chikrin. I think if you trade Besser for Chikrin, you're losing so much value. I agree. Chikrin's a good defenseman, but Besser's... Besser has actually had such a good season under Boudreaux. And granted, that's only been the last 10 games or so. He hasn't but even played still, in the last two. I know, but still, like he's he's shown that he is still that player. And that's enough for you know GMs and scouts to see that, okay, his value is high enough that we'll have to really give them a lot to get him out of there. And the other big thing is that they're not going to want to trade him. They're, Besser's one of their they're keystone franchise players for whether you agree with that or not. He is. All right, and unless fine. the trade's a huge trade, he's not getting traded out of Vancouver. All right. A first and Besser, a first, a second and Besser for Chikrin and Clayton Keller. That you might have a conversation about, but then again, would you want that? Like, do you want those players instead of Besser? I don't know. I want Keller and Chikrin. Absolutely. You know how much better that makes your defense and, and yeah. your offense is still good because you have Clayton Keller to replace the Besser role. And, and just to jump on what Jake said there too real quick, uh, Besser has played six games under Boudreaux. In that time, he has five goals, two assists, and he's a plus two. He's a puck hog. He's not. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. All right, no. fine. Pedersen instead of Besser. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You might be onto something there. Pedersen's had a shitty season. Yes, you're right, technically, but that doesn't mean that he's now worthless. <laughs> hey, we're getting Keller and and Checker, and that's not nothing. I would go okay, in that sense, I would consider going just Pedersen for both of them. I would consider it. I'm not even saying I'd do it. I'm saying I would think about it. But that's two coming our way and one thing going to Arizona. Nothing else. And Tanner Pearson. Yes, deal. <laughs> You're right. Good point. We need, we need the cap space. Good point. All right. Well, since we've been talking about all this trading, I think we might as well move on. So apparently Vegas is looking at trading for Ryan Kessler. What the hell is this about? So I, I couldn't believe this either when we were searching up stuff to throw in the episode this week. And a, a real news headline out of Vegas is they are making an attempt to trade for Ryan Kessler's rights as he is on LTIR and he's unofficially retired. If Vegas is able to attain Ryan Kessler's rights, they will be able to go over $6 million more over the cap. This is obviously in preparation for once Eichel is healthy and ready to play. So this is just a straight money move. 100%, yes. But... It's still interesting because it's Ryan Kessler. I would love to see Kessler strap on the gear and <laughs> play a game for Vegas. Yeah, new third line center, Ryan Kessler. Or Kessler finally wins a cup, and it's as he's riding the LTIR for the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> Hell yeah. Do you get a ring for that? If you're still technically just on the roster, do you get a ring? I don't know, but I think it'd be funny <laughs> if he did. <laughs> I feel like they should give him something, you know? Yeah. Give him a plaque. It says, <laughs> you tried. <laughs> yeah. Indirectly won a Stanley Cup. Oh, anyway, goodness. speaking of players and teams that will never win Stanley Cups, the Leafs are now to uh, 0% capacity in their building. <laughs> yeah, so have you guys seen the picture of their stadium where they have the polar bear mascot just sitting in one of the seats in the upper bowl? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Completely <laughs> empty stadium. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that, that's rough. I, I can't yeah. believe that they're going through this again. Yeah. On a slightly more serious note, you know, I feel really bad for the fans of the team. They, you know, they're one of the most passionate fan bases in hockey, and, you know, they can't go in and watch their team play. That that sucks. I mean, I think it's all right. Yeah, they'll live. They'll be fine. Jesus, God. Well, no, I mean, I, I, it could I, be worse. They could go watch their team play in the first round of the playoffs and then just get their heart broken. Yeah, now they don't have to even be there to have their heart broken. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do it solved. from the comfort of their own home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that, that's rough. I, I hope they get their fans back, too, and I hope so does Vancouver. Even though technically we can play, they're just choosing not to because the owners want to make more than 50% capacity and money. Uh, so they're just postponing games until they can go to 100% again. Okay, well, speaking of being back at 100%, we're going to take a quick break so we can come back. <laughs> And be at 100%. <laughs> uh-huh. So stick with us and uh, we'll be right back after a quick word from our fake sponsor. This week's episode of the Vancouver Boys podcast is brought to you by the province of Quebec. You better go to bed early. You have a whole lot of nothing to do tomorrow. The province of Quebec, former home of two NHL franchises. We'll be right back. 
You're listening to the Vancouver Boys Podcast. That's her name. Don't wear it out. Man, we got to sign this guy to a six by six. Tampa Bay was $18 million over the salary cap. UC Soros is the best goalie in the NHL. Welcome back from break, everyone. And we have some breaking news to start the second half of the show. EP40 has been added to the COVID protocol list. Yeah, I just saw that as well. Um, it's too bad because uh, Besser was supposed to come out of protocol uh, very, very soon. And uh, right when the roster should have been almost back to completely healthy, we lose another top six guy. And a pretty important one. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, it's he's not been, like he's been doing anything. He's been taking a lot of steps in the right direction. Maybe, maybe COVID will do him good. Maybe he just need a little Omicron in him. I don't think he needed a little Omicron in him. I think that's very likely not what's going to help. Um, if he comes out and scores 50 in the second half of the season. Oh, my God. Okay, I'll I'm take it all back. Omicron. Fine. I'm with you on that. Yeah, this is, this is tough for him, but uh, not as big of a loss to the Canucks as I think some fans think it may be. Again, I, I got to disagree with that. He's taking so many steps in the right direction. They're slow and they're small, but he's doing it. And uh, it was just really seeming like he was starting to find his groove again. So mm -hmm. it's too bad that I, I just hope this doesn't act as a huge setback for him. I hope he's mm -hmm. able to come back. Maybe even, like you said, the time off could clear his head a little bit. He could have some time to think and uh, maybe come back better than he's been all season. That's the best we can hope for. Yeah, but he's had so much time off because of the postponement of the games. And uh, I don't know if, I mean, I know you're just trying to be optimistic, but I don't know if that's going to help as much as I think you might, you think it could. Omicron. Anyway, speaking of things that just don't help at all, it's time for our weekly PK Subban or Evander Kane news. PK Subban is back in the news this week for yet another slew foot, but this time not exactly one that was very successful because this time he missed. <laughs> he almost he almost just kicked him in the ass instead of like taking his leg out. It's uh it's quite funny to watch. But like why does he keep doing it? And he's doing it against players that could beat him up too. Like Garnett Hathaway is a tough dude. He, he may not be very big, but he is tough as nails. He'll stand in there with anybody. Yeah, he went after Subban after the win. So the, the, I think maybe the worst part about this whole clip is that P.K. Subban and his team got scored on while he was doing this. And uh, after the whistle, right after the goal, um, Hathaway goes after Subban. He's not letting him get away with it. Uh, but it's just, uh, like, why? What, what is the strategy here? What's the mindset? What is the reason that he keeps doing this? I think he's uh, he's a paid assassin. A paid assassin. Yeah, he's out there to intentionally hurt people. Really? Yep. And how did Hathaway end up on his on his list there? How did Reeves? Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I'm like I'm not even stupid enough to take on. You know what? I'm gonna go take on Ryan Reeves. Well, yes, you are. Nope. You're, no, I, no, I would not argue Reeves. You, no. Nope. Nope. Robin Leonard for sure, but not hundred percent Robin okay. Leonard. I'll take on any other player in the league, not Ryan Reeves. What about Hathaway? Yeah, I'd take one. Okay, well, P.K. Subban agrees that that's a great idea. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just, 
I don't get, maybe he listens to the show. Maybe he likes this segment. He wants to help us out. Maybe that. <laughs> PK Subban's favorite segment is the Sluban segment. See, I think the reason why he keeps doing it is because he's not the same player he used to be. And so he's looking for like his new role on the team, right? Like he's not a goal scorer. He's, he's now the slew footer. He's the, exactly. the Slubinator. Yeah, the Slubinator. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he needs yeah. to find a new role. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. This this can't keep happening. Like he's you know, he's, he's I think he's in the last year of his contract or the second to last year. At any rate, it's coming up. And he's going to need a new team to play on and if he keeps doing this, no one's going to want to sign him or when they do, they're going to want to sign him for very little. I honestly think that the next time he does this successfully and like it works and he actually slew foot someone, I think he's finally going to be looking at a suspension. It's happened enough times now that the the league has to do something. And also, for the record, this is the last year of his contract. So this summer, he will be a UFA. So what I'm expecting is at least nine slew foots this year. I think he's on four or five. So that's about one million per slew foot. (laughs) I think think the Devils have uh, some sort of side deal going on with him. What? What kind of team would be looking at P.K. Subban, though, in this state of his career? Like, what team would sign him to any contract? Arizona Coyotes. You think so? Yep. To fill the chicken hole? And they're going to lose Kessel, so they lost all their old people. Right. They need more old people to bring in. Yep. Okay. I could see him on, like, the Calgary Flames. Really? Yeah. I think he'd be a great fit in Montreal. I mean, I'm thinking of, like, a decent team with a solid decor that he would improve. And I think the Calgary Flames kind of fit that bill. They're a decent team. They've got a fantastic goaltender who can bail him out. I think they'd be a good fit. What what kind of contract do you think he'd be looking at too, by the way? because th- So this season, he's got 31 games played. He's got two goals, 13 points, and he's a minus one. And he's also been known to be quite irresponsible defensively. What What kind of a contract do you think he's looking at? Like... Two years, three mil per season? I think that's a little steep. I wouldn't pay him that much. But Well, here's the thing. I'm not saying what we would pay him. I'm saying what NHL GMs, who most fans have deemed are all idiots, uh, what would they pay him? Two million, two years. Two by two? Two by two. That's almost exactly what I would have said. Um, I don't think he's getting any more term than two years because... Uh, teams aren't going to want to have to commit to him for very long. Right. I'd be surprised. Like, I could even see it being a one-year deal for slightly more money just because they don't want to take on the responsibility of having him for another year if he doesn't work out. I could see like a one by four million um, or a two by three. Yeah, I think that's probably the right area you'd be looking at for a player like P.K. Subban. Yeah, no, no more than two years for sure because no team's going to want to commit to him long-term just yet. Here's my thing. I would honestly, if the Canucks could sort out some cap issues, I would take him on a one-year contract at 2.5 mil. I would do that, and I wouldn't yeah, but have I, a problem with it. I think any team in the league is going to take him at one by 2.5, right? Like, if you're if you're going to get Subban for one year, I think it's going to be for a little bit more than that. I think there's going to be a ton of competition for one by 2.5. Not for me. I'm out. <laughs> Great. Tyler, I'm out. Tyler and the Twisted Tylers are out on the PK Subban sweepstakes. Yep, we will no longer be voting on PK Subban. No Subban over here. Plus, I don't want to be shorthanded. The Canucks have already had enough problems in the, with the PK. 
Yeah. A lot better now that they've put all their star players on the penalty kill. Yeah, I guess right, well, we, we don't want to add PK problems to our PK problems. Anyway, I guess speaking of rosters and potential roster moves, what do you guys think about the uh, some of the projected Team Canada rosters, including players like Brandon Leipzig and Josh Hosang and everyone's favorite, Jake Vertanen? I think Jake Vertanen should be the captain. Real mature leader. Oh, boy. <laughs> team guy. There, well, here's what I will say is between Leipzig and Vertanen, both of them aren't making it. It's it's one or the other with those two. <laughs> Put them on the same line, you, please. You are going to have some big locker room problems if you have both of them on the same team. So it'll be one or the other. And I got to be honest, I don't know who's playing better right now because I don't watch the KHL very much. So you guys think Connor mm-hmm. Bedard makes the Olympic team? Wouldn't that be nuts? A 16-year-old kid on the Olympic team? Honestly, it is not the craziest idea I've heard. I could see him out there and I could see it working. Just uh, so people understand how good this kid is, uh, since the World Juniors ended and he's gone back to his WHL team, he has 11 goals, 15 points in five games. Jesus Christ. So since the World Juniors, he has been averaging three points per game and over two goals per game. All right, he's he's making Team Canada. Yeah, that's insane. Those numbers are – I'm pretty sure those are, like, way better than McDavid's numbers when he was in. They are. He, oh, ne- he yeah. never had a stint that good uh, yeah. at that age. And, again, I, I cannot stress this enough. He's playing against guys that are well into their 20s. Uh, maybe not well in not well 20s. but like, well, like kind of just rolling like 21 up his... 22 like we're looking at that range and he's 16 and he's decimating this league I, I think he definitely at the very least has a chance to make this roster but you are gonna have to put him on a line with someone who can stick up for him because even in international hockey where it's not quite as rough it's still a full contact sport you're going to need someone to protect him out there. And that is where I think Canucks legend Adam Cracknell comes into the picture. Oh my God. Adam Cracknell? Who what? is, and I'm not kidding, he is on some projected rosters here. Jesus. I have not Again? heard this name in, I want to say, three to four years. But he is now in contention to make it on Team Canada. Dude, Team Canada is just going to be a duster squad of Canucks players that never made it. (laughs) This is going to be the worst team I've ever seen. Mason Raymond's going to be on the squad. (laughs) I don't think Raymond's going to make it. Jake Vertanen, Adam Cracknell. Oh, and don't forget about defensive superstar Michael Delzato. Oh, my Jesus. Who's going to be in net? Mikey DiPietro? No, I think Roberto Luongo is coming out of retirement to play in that. Jake, do you think uh, Owen Power makes the trip over there? I think he makes the trip over there before Connor Bedard would. Oh, well, I, I think f- for sure you have to have Owen Power on this team. He was a big uh, a big part of Canada's gold medal in the uh, World Championships there last year. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely see him cracking the squad. Okay, yeah. uh, Jake, I'm going to send this to you because you're remote. Um and I'm going to put it up on the big screen in the studio here. But this is a list of uh, players that have a chance to make Team Canada. Uh, what I find funny is you will find uh, Jake's Calder pick, Mason McTavish, 
Uh, he will probably be the best player on that team. This is entirely possible. Also, uh, Devin Dubnik is a possibility for the goaltending position. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> Uh, just, just take a look at this list and let me know if any other, um, big names jump out at you. How about Eric Stahl? (laughs) (laughs) Cody Franson, ex-Canuck. Ex-Pred. There you go. Dude, this team is going to be sick. Yeah, this will be one interesting team to watch. They're going to have zero chemistry, by the way. Well, you can say that with a lot of of the Canucks, I think. So <laughs> they got that going for them. Well, they had Devin Levi could be their goalie. Aside from Devin Dudnick. Well, De- Devin's Devin. just going to rip it up. Yeah, somehow I think that this team is not going to go very far. But here's the thing. You got to think about the other teams too. They can't use their NHL talents either. They're also using their leftovers. Yeah, except for Russia who's got the KHL. And- yeah, that's going to be a tough one to beat. Yeah. Oh, a lot of what? these European countries, their best players play in the KHL instead of the NHL. That's, That's true. true. It, it, it is true. Vishkov could be playing. You could have two 16-year-olds out there. I can see him playing for Russia. Russia would do it without a second thought, too. Exactly. Okay, so speaking of the Russians, did you guys see uh, after the uh, the World Juniors got canceled and they were going to board their plane back to Russia, they were partying in the back of the plane with their masks off, and they actually got kicked off the plane. Yeah. They were also smoking cigarettes on the airplane. <laughs> like, come on, man. Yeah, this got pretty wild. Uh, people were apparently live tweeting the event because they realized who this team was, just some of the other passengers on the plane, saying that they were afraid for their lives that the plane would have taken off with them on it. <laughs> um, cops apparently swarmed the plane uh, trying to get them all off. They had to wait on the tarmac while all their luggage was removed from the cargo uh, portion of the plane. Apparently, the Russian coach was also in there vaping the whole time, and the flight attendants were yelling at him to stop. He, he wouldn't stop. Dude, what a legend. This team is just legendary. Uh, they also apparently brought speakers and were listening to Russian rock music at full blast. this plane and i'm not gonna i don't want to be this guy because i have a lot of respect for flight attendants and what they've been going through during the pandemic a lot of them had been laid off from their jobs and are just getting back to work and you got to come in and deal with this dude are you kidding me i would want to be on this plane are you kidding me (laughs) you know how sick it would be to party all the way to russia with these guys oh hell yeah there's oh man it's just such a crazy, crazy story. Like, especially the coach. Like, the coach is kind of, when you think of, like, your youth sports, if, I don't know if you guys have ever had this, but if you went to a tournament, your whole team was in a hotel, maybe you went out in the hallways, rode some luggage carriers, maybe slammed into a couple people's doors who didn't know the team, maybe the coach had to come in and scream at all of you at some point. This coach was having none of it. He was vaping the whole time. He's like, no, nah, this is fine. Yeah. It's in Soviet <laughs> Russia. We do this all the time. <laughs> yeah. Plane flies you. <laughs> plane flies you. <laughs> what, the, what does that even mean? Don't worry about it. Uh, uh, yeah. That no. is awesome. What a, what a story there out of the Calgary airport. That's just, uh, that's something else. Yeah. I feel bad for uh, the people on that plane. 
Yeah, the non-Russians. Um, yeah. You know who else I feel bad for? Who's that? Minnesota Wild fans who had to endure the negative million degree weather <laughs> to watch their team get spanked around by the St. Louis Blues in the Winter Classic. That Minnesota Wild team just got absolutely spit roasted <laughs> by Jordan Cairo. <laughs> Who set a record for most points in an outdoor game with four, all coming in the second period. But man, did he look good. Man, did the Blues look good. And man, did the Wild look terrible for the first two periods. Yeah, man. Like, I watched the second period of that game, uh, but I didn't watch the first or third. And based on that period alone, I thought, holy smokes, the Minnesota Wild are nowhere near as good as I thought they were. Yeah, and, and this is a... St. Louis team that was obviously missing a couple pieces, a Minnesota Wild team that was missing a couple pieces, but they just did not look like they were there at all. And that second period was all the Tarasenko line with Cairo mm-hmm. and and uh, Robert Thomas. Yeah, it was like every time I turned around, it was like St. Louis scored. St. Louis scored. Even I think Minnesota scored once in that second period, and immediately after St. Louis potted one. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was definitely a fun game to watch, and like. Uh, the whole setup that they had for the game was pretty cool with all the wooden planks and, and all the names of, of the teams behind their benches. The the aesthetics looked good. Yeah, I've always thought the NHL should do more outdoor games and, well, mainly should include more teams than what they have, which is just the Leafs and the Blackhawks play every single year against insert opponent here. Uh, but... No, it, it was a cool spectacle to see. The only things where I felt like it kind of got ruined was I feel like St. Louis shouldn't have worn blue helmets because their jerseys are all kind of cream and then they've got blue on the shoulders. But then just adding the blue helmets, it looks, it almost looks like beer league uniforms because of that. It, it just doesn't quite look right. But look at the Wilds Christmas okay, well, jerseys. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Like, there's a whole thing to the Winter Classic where you want to make the game look kind of vintage. The whole idea is you're going back to your roots and playing outdoors, which is kind of where the game started, was just playing pond hockey. Uh, but there's a way to make things look old school without making it look ugly. And I feel like no one told the Minnesota jersey designers that because th- these just look like ugly Christmas sweaters and khaki shorts. <laughs> Yeah, it looks horrible. Yeah, but and other than the jerseys, they look it how they great. played. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's even worse. But no, other than um, other than that, like I love how even on the outside of the boards, it's just plywood. Uh, I like how raw they made everything look. It looks really cool. But yeah, Cairo just went off in this game. Oh my god, four points. That that is the record for most points in an outdoor game ever scored by any player in the NHL. Best player all time. Apparently. I'm not quite sure <laughs> if that's what the stat translates to. This this game just showed me how good of a player Jordan Cairo is. He's so patient and just like his skill is unbelievable. Yeah, I think it was that, like that whole line was on display though. You know, like of course he had a great game, but that line just they, they looked like such a dominant line in that game. Well, and this is this is the second time that they've actually they just put this line back together. With Butchnevich and Barbashev being out, they put this line together the game before the Winter Classic, and then it worked well. They had three points each. They used it again in this game, and they popped off again. 
So mm-hmm. uh, the all-Russian line changed just a little bit. Instead of Tarasenko on that line, now you have Clem Costin. Yeah, like I said, though, that, that Blues team definitely put on a show, especially in that second period. Um, but I know you guys were talking a little bit about the jerseys and kind of the way that they looked in that game. Well, some more jersey news this week. The all-star jerseys have been uh, have been released, and now we have an idea of what they're going to look like. Yeah, I, I love what they've done with these jerseys. Uh, this is... I, I don't usually compliment them. I feel like a lot of the new jerseys that have been rolling out lately, we've been kind of dumping on. These ones look wicked. They, they look very old school. They kind of went back to the old all-star jerseys where they just have the NHL shield in the front, and then they kind of play around with the different colors for different teams, whether it goes by division or conference or ho- however uh, they split them up each year. Uh, but... Uh, I think these look great. I think these are some of the nicest looking all-star jerseys we've seen in quite a few years. I'm in the same boat with Marcus here, partially. I do like how they kind of went back and it looks a little more old school. But I also feel like they're a little plain. It's the all-star game. It's a big hype moment. I I feel like they could have done a little more to kind of jazz them up and kind of showcase a little more. But uh, at the end of the day, they're, they're a nice jersey and I could see myself buying one. Yeah, I like to see the return to the NHL emblem, not just like the the regular team logos. So I do like that. I'm not a huge fan of All-Star jerseys as it is. I've never really seen one that I've really liked all that much. But uh, yeah, these will fit the bill, I guess. Um, Another one that I really liked that they used just a few years ago was actually uh, the ones from Florida. Uh, I thought, here's the thing though, I didn't really love all of them. I thought the Pacific Division jerseys looked good, which was the white base with the orange sleeves. Uh, This was the year Brock Besser went, and he actually won the, um, I don't know what you want to call it, the All-Star of the, or the MVP. He was the MVP from the All-Star game. And uh, I thought some of them looked a bit weird, but I love the Pacific ones and the uh, black jerseys, which I'm not sure which division those belong to. I think that might have been the Central. Um, Either way, I, I love those ones. I thought the orange with the white looked cool. It almost reminded me of like the old NHL logo when the shield actually used to be orange instead of silver. It just I, th- I thought it looked really cool. And I, I thought the NHL was trending in that direction. And then the next few seasons, they kind of made some different looking jerseys. Uh, but I, I'm glad they've gone back to using the shield. I, I think that's always looked the best in an all-star game. Yeah, these are, these are decent jerseys. Again, just not one that I think that I would ever get myself or ever slip into one. And speaking of slipping, why don't we slip off the diving board and do a belly flop into the inbox? Belly flop. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, Very technical dive there. All right, so we've actually got quite a few uh, pretty interesting questions from you guys this week. So we're going to try to pick through them pretty quickly. First question here, um, what's our opinion about whether or not Bruce Boudreaux would have been a good coach for Jake Bertanen. Here's the thing. I, that That's a really tough question because at this point, from what Vancouver fans have seen of Boudreaux, apparently he's a good coach for everybody. Uh, I don't see one player that's gotten worse since he's came in, and I see a lot of players that have gotten better. So I can see why the argument could be there, that they're saying, hey, maybe if Boudreaux had coached him, he could have helped his development a lot better. Uh, but I'll say the jury will always remain out on it because we also haven't seen Boudreaux develop anyone yet. We've seen him come in and get young stars playing well. We haven't seen long-term development with them, though. And for Tannen, there's no better phrase to explain what he was here in Vancouver other than long-term development. 
So I, that's hard to say, but I got to say it would be hard to have made him much worse than, than how he ended his tenure here with Vancouver. Bruce fixes everyone. All right, the next question here, pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Do the Canucks make the playoffs? I've been a broken record at this point all season. I say no. And I say Jake's an idiot, and that's also a broken record thing. I've been saying that for years. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think the Canucks can make the playoffs. I'll admit I lost a fair bit of hope at the beginning of December, but they are currently only four points out of the playoffs. So I think that they can easily make this work with about half a season to go. Yeah, I think I think they're going to keep rolling here, and I think they'll make it. Next up, um, should the, the hockey be moved to the Summer Olympics instead of just trying to throw together a bunch of hodgepodge players and keep it in the Winter Olympics? Well, I, I saw uh, this question before, and I thought it was funny. Uh, Gary Bettman has actually asked the Olympic Committee to put hockey in the Summer Olympics instead of the Winter permanently so that the NHL will not lose any money by sending its players over there. And I thought this was hilarious because it is really just a cash grab from Bettman. There's no way that this helps grow the sport. It just lines the NHL's pockets a little more. So I think it should stay a winter sport and the NHL and their owners and shareholders need to pull their heads out of their asses and realize that it's better for the game if they let the players go. I would like to see it in the summer, actually. Really? Yep. I feel like giving that break during the season can be very detrimental to some teams because you could be in a great rhythm. You could lose your few, a few players, be off for a couple weeks, uh, or players can get hurt and be off and just totally screw your team up come that halfway point or come playoff time. So I think having it in the off season's a way better idea. And then when you come back from it, if you have hurt players, you're still starting from scratch. I think it's a cool idea, too. I mean, if you had the hockey in the Summer Olympics, it would also give teams a chance to have a pre-tournament camp, right? Like these players could, you know, have a few practices together, a few exhibition games together, some inter-squad games and get some chemistry under their belt. Because a lot of these guys, even though they're fantastic players, you know, sometimes they just can't figure it out uh, when they're put together. Sometimes they do, like the Crosby, Bergeron and Marchand line. But a lot of times they don't. So I think it'd be really cool. It would give them you know, a little bit more time. There would be a little bit more focus on it. They wouldn't be breaking up the season. It would be. I think it's actually not a bad idea. Um, but you're right. It does certainly look on the outside like a scheme to bring more revenue into the NHL and then not have to lose out on a month of, uh, of the season or at least have to make the season work. Um, but I don't know. I think it's actually not a bad idea. One other flaw that I can just see with this system is just the idea that whoever hosts the Olympics has to have or build all the infrastructure to play these events. The Summer Olympics are typically hosted in traditionally warm places, uh, such as some places in Europe, a lot of places in even the continent of Africa or South America, um, and a lot of places where hockey is not a game that We're is played. growing the game. <laughs> well, growing the game, but it might be a little weird to build a 20,000-seat hockey rink in a country that has never had a game of hockey played in it in its life, and then also expecting to be able to fill that stadium for countries that likely won't have anything to do with the host country. Because there's a pretty good chance that the host country of a Summer Olympic Games won't actually have a hockey team. 
Yeah, but they need a stadium for basketball and for volleyball. So I think that they would be able to use that as a multi-purpose area for hockey as well, should they need to. Um, also, these you know Olympic Games have billions of dollars thrown into them. I don't think it would be looking at it like like that would be the main obstacle. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. I didn't really think about that. The basketball stadium would be the same, probably building that you do the hockey in. Um, it just. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me being a little old fashioned or stuck in my ways. I just hockey goes in the winter. That's where the hockey goes. Yeah. That, I, I still think, I still think it'll never happen. Um, you're right. But you know, I, I don't think it's as terrible of an idea. Um, at least in concept as a lot of people uh, may see it. And speaking of terrible ideas in concept, our next question here is, are the Oilers even making the playoffs at this point? I think yes, but only if they make a trade for Carey Price and he starts playing hockey. <laughs> I, I would agree that goaltending is their issue and that's what needs to be addressed. Whether specifically Carey Price is the answer, I'm not sure. They'd have to clear a hell of a lot of cap to make that work. But yeah, they they were for quite a while just owning the Pacific Division. Uh, they are now only in the wild card race by one point. Uh, Winnipeg is one point back and have two games in hand. Uh, Vancouver is only three points back uh, and has the same amount of games played, but Edmonton has been slipping hard and Vancouver's on a roll. So are they going to make the playoffs? That is a big fat maybe, but if things trend the way they are now, it's not going to happen. Yeah, this next question kind of feeds into that, and it's uh, it's more of a, a comment. It says McDavid will not be in Edmonton for more than two years at this rate. I agree with that. No, I can definitely see that. He he is the best player in the world. He's been in the playoffs twice. Uh, he's been to the second round once. Uh, at some point, he's got to realize his prime is only going to last so long he needs to be on a decent team or on a somewhere where they can build a proper roster around him, which Edmonton has just point blank failed to do. Mm-hmm. Well, bringing it back to that Carey Price comment I just made real quick. Um, <laughs> okay. I did just see a mock trade because of all the quotes and stuff that Miko Koskinen had just talked about, how he's been getting thrown under the bus and, and whatnot. Yeah. But this mock trade has... Miko Koskinen, Kyle Turris, Dylan Holloway, Xavier Bogarts, and a first for Price. And that would clear your cap space because Koskinen's making $4.5 million. Turris's contract is fairly big. And then throwing in a few other smaller contracts to round out that $10.5 million. I could see it. But would Montreal accept that trade? At this point... Montreal's going through a rebuild. They they need something for price, and I don't think they're going to get what they really want. So, yeah, Seattle wouldn't take him for nothing. So that right there goes and shows you, yeah. um, right? His his value is in a really weird spot right now. Um, but I'm glad you were talking a little bit about trades because the last question in our inbox is: if the Canucks are sellers at the deadline, who would be on their trade block? I hate to say this because I, I don't want it to happen, but I think it's more realistic than a lot of people realize. JT Miller. His value has probably never been higher in his career. It might never be higher in his career. And Rutherford has already said he doesn't want to be trading out 
any high prospects or young players. He wants to be bringing more of them in to fill this roster. JT Miller is a guy where you could command probably a first and a decent prospect or a really, really good prospect and maybe a late round pick. I hate this. I, I know it sucks, but it, but if you're asking who we'd be probably uh, trying to get guys for, I think Miller's probably the guy. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think if you have a trade block, you're throwing Miller up there, hoping you're getting something super high. You're throwing Tanner Pearson up there, seeing what you can get for him. You're throwing Tyler Myers up there, and then maybe throwing up a couple bottom six players as well just for the hell of it. But I think the three that have to be on your your list to at least hear offers about are going to be JT Miller, Tyler Myers, and Tanner Pearson. Yeah. Another thing to remember about Miller too is that he's only making 5.2 mil per season and that's locked in through next year. That is a very well-valued contract and it's an amount of money that a lot of cup contending teams would look at and think, hey, we can probably clear enough space to get that too. High value, decent contract, really good player. I think that's the guy who's definitely getting you the highest return. And it seems to be the return that Jim Rutherford has talked about wanting to get at the trade deadline. Yeah, and but any way you look at it, the trade deadline is going to be a hell of a time. Yeah, no kidding. And, and we I'm will looking have... forward to it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be a hell of a time. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> speaking of the time. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Uh, speaking of the time. It is time for, for Tyler's Tyler surprise, surprise headline. headline. It's Tyler's surprise headline. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? This headline has pretty much just become the Florida man surprise headline. So we're gonna take it back to Florida. Florida man pulled gun at Starbucks over cream cheese. <laughs> what in the hell? How? <laughs> An angry Florida man. Hold a gun on a drive-thru worker because they forgot cream cheese with his bagel. Here's the funny part. The employee at the other end of the gun just so happened to be the daughter of the police chief. Oh, man. That's rough. I'm sure they went real easy on him. Yeah, I mean, like, (laughs) what would have to be going on in your life that you're going to pull a gun on somebody for forgetting your cream cheese. (laughs) Cream cheese withdrawal? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Like, oh my god, you pull a gun on the daughter of the chief of police because of cream cheese. Oh, man. Yeah, what, uh, sir, why are you in jail? Um, I I screwed up. (laughs) I wanted some cream cheese and uh, I pulled the gun on the wrong person. Yeah, there's got to be a special kind of something wrong with you. I just think too many people have guns. (laughs) I would agree with that. I would strongly agree with that. Why why are you just so comfortable being like, this is such bullshit. I didn't get my cream cheese. You know what? Maybe I threatened to murder the person. (laughs) That's the other thing is it's it's beyond unreasonable because it's one thing if she's saying to him, no, I will not give you cream cheese. She just forgot <laughs> to put it in the bag. Like just say, hey, 
You forgot my cream cheese. At the very most, say, can I have a refund for this inconvenience? Well, no, he did end up getting his cream cheese at the end of the day. Oh, did I, really? So the at gunpoint. <laughs> yes. The lady handed over the cream cheese at gunpoint. I, yeah, I would too. I think, I think Starbucks owes this lady a raise. <laughs> She's protecting the cream cheese. I'm surprised that's all he got. It was just cream cheese. Do you want the money? No. <laughs> just a cream cheese. You know what? This guy might not even be that bad of a person. Just a little misguided. Because yeah. like you said, he could have robbed them. He didn't. He just pulled a gun to get the thing he'd already paid for. Exactly. That's fine. Right? I So technically he didn't rob the place. So what no. what technically what is the crime? Probably aggravated assault with a weapon yeah but there was no assault <laughs> i mean you could still smile is there like intent Verbal to kill <laughs> yeah I, I don't know what you'd call that but uh one way or another well, i think well yeah i think you're not allowed to point a gun at somebody no that's that probably that, that's at the very least frowned upon <laughs> especially the police chief's daughter yeah no that's a spe that's a oof, that is rough oh goody well, I can tell you what, you'll never see us pull a gun on anyone because we live in Canada. Bet. And we take no prisoners. You'll be dead. <laughs> Challenge you'll accepted. Never, you'll never find out. <laughs> yeah, remember that one guy? Exactly. <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, I think we should just about wrap things up here. Probably a good um, idea. Yeah, uh, so if you're looking to get in contact with us, you can follow us on Instagram at Vancouver Boys Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube, TikTok, and Twitch, the same handle, or on Twitter at Vancouver Boys underscore. Why, Marcus? Because Vancouver Boys Podcast was too long to be a Twitter handle. Exactly. Um, and if you're looking to get in contact with us for more serious business inquiries, please email us at VancouverBoysHockey at gmail.com. But I think that just about does it from us over here at Vancouver Boys Studios. Any last-minute notes you guys want to throw in here? Bye. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, dude. I got nothing. All right, then. Great. Uh, we will see you next time. Thanks for hanging out with us. See you on the next one. Peace. And come watch us on Twitch.